What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. guys five movies this is one of your co-hosts chris gasper this is frank pelicoon you are listening to one of the last four quick cages of all time and um frank let's do the thing what are you uh, what are you telling us about tonight so we're definitely not saving the best for last um uh tonight we're going to talk about the 1984 crime drama musical homage to the 1920s and 30s um the cotton club um directed by francis Ford coppola um starring uh, richard gear diane lane um uh gregory hines bob hoskins uh, james remar um right when obviously first yeah, appearance fred, on, fred Gwynn. first appearance on the podcast um obviously nick cage um you know, we went through last week my list of like five subgenres that like I just have no interest in watching movies in. Um, this is also one. So I, I think pretty much where I said like coming of age stories about roused about teenagers, you know, on the precipice of war. I think we can just put anything that deals with any event pre nineteen fifty maybe 1960 i just don't get um so ostensibly this is a crime like a mobster movie um that follows gears uh um dixie dwyer character who's a cornet player um famous in harlem uh plays a bunch of different like area bars and stuff and um talented musician um remar's uh dutch schultz becomes enamored of this guy and kind of takes him under his wing as um sort of is like i don't know like caged bird in some ways or whatever um dwyer's got a younger brother that's in a cage character vincent um who's small time petty criminal but is trying to like they're both trying to make their way in the world um Dwyer who's trying to do it through his art and Vincent who's trying to do it through um you know like becoming an increasingly more prominent gang member um Hoskins plays uh fuck what's his name Oni something Orkin no. Oni Madden Madden okay um yeah Neil Orkin right he's fucking mustache mountain <laughs> um who's a gang leader in Harlem who owns the cotton club. The cotton club is the place where um, all the black performers are allowed to play, but it's on whites only in terms of the crowd. Um, Oh, Larry Lawrence Fishburne's in it too. He plays, um, uh, fuck. What's that gangster's name? Bumpy Rhodes. Bumpy Rhodes. Yeah. 
and like Lucky Luciano's in it. Look, it's just a stupid fucking gangster movie. Um, but what makes it even worse, like it's very by the numbers and boring, and I guess it's kind of an homage to stuff like um like Little Caesar or uh like I don't know, like maybe like White not 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 White Light White Heat. Um, I don't know, like any of those fucking yeah, 30s and 40s like gangster movies. The problem with this fucking movie is that a scene will happen. So, like, two characters will like emote at each other for seven or eight minutes, and then they got to fucking sing and dance. And it's not even like a musical where like they're singing and dancing about the things that are happening to them. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, here's fucking Gregory Hines and his fucking brother tap dancing for six minutes to some goddamn, I don't know, like 20s, like big band hit. Right. Like, oh, here's a guy playing Cab Calloway doing the Heidi Heidi Ho shit for like seven or eight minutes. Or here's some woman singing fucking Stormy Weather, which actually that's that's probably the best part of the movie is that performance. The woman singing Stormy Weather. Um, But it just it completely breaks up everything in the movie because it's like. I don't know, it's like watching MTV and like you watch liquid television and then they show like a block of videos and then. It's fucking um, dead at dead at eighteen or dead at twenty one. Dead, dead at twenty one. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's another block of videos. Like it's like you know you fucking get anything. <clears throat> I, Hold on, are you there to are you there to watch liquid television dead at twenty one or are you there to watch the videos? I, I don't well, understand the analogy. That's the problem is you got to watch them both. <laughs> like you're gotcha. too lazy. You're too lazy to go fucking couch. <laughs> so for two hours and eighteen minutes, there it is. It's just like one thing after another. I mean, so here's number one. I don't know if this is a controversial statement in 2021. Richard Gere, not a good actor. He's not. He's very self-assured in a way that like he doesn't deserve to be. And he's just all smoldering looks and tight lips. And I mean, I guess I can understand why he was like a sex symbol to a point, but like fuck that dude. All right. Well, Jay, we're, and we're we're going to talk about Richard Gere later. Then, all right. James Remar is like the most cartoon cardboard cutout. Like, it's almost like a joke. It's like watching like a parody of like somebody acting like a gangster. Like he's just wet eyes and you know, and like threatening to kill people. And I don't know, man. So the only version of this that's available to watch for free is called the Encore version, mm-hmm. which is 10 minutes longer than the original version. So somehow I got 10 extra minutes of my life sucked out of me because somebody thought that was a good idea. I don't find the music of this time period interesting. I don't find the hackneyed like dialogue interesting. I mean, it's not even an interesting mob story. And like, this is from a director who basically created the language of the mod of the modern gangster movie, right? Like right. if you look at the first two Godfather movies, that is the template on which like almost every single other mob movie for decades is based upon. I'd say even up to like something like American gangster, like it all is. But what's interesting even- is this was adapted from Puzo as well, right? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 
loosely adapted. Hmm. Well, William Kennedy is the guy that adapted, who is also uh, responsible for uh, writing Ironweed. Um, it's only other film writing credit. So Puzo just has a story by credit. He does not didn't do the screenplay, and it's based on a book by a guy named James Haskins called The Cotton Club. Gotcha. Okay. So it's honestly like if you take my personal prejudices against the time period out of it, mm-hmm. it's honestly kind of an interesting time period to look at because you've got like the rise of the different mob families and you have like the Irish mob and the Italian mob. And then these black gangsters that are trying to come into prominence themselves. So there's like some interesting stuff that could be done here, sure. but the fact that like everything devolves into fuck, look, I, I said this on our text thread last night and I'm going to say it. tap dancing is fucking useless and annoying like there is nothing cool or interesting or even like awe-inspiring about someone tap dancing it's stupid and i like modern dance like that's one of the things like one of my secret like interests is like watching modern dance fucking tap dancing is dumb all tap dancing looks exactly the same it's fucking annoying to hear that click, 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 click. Then they click their heels together. They click, 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 click. It's, I, 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 like, I don't, I can't imagine a scenario where I watch tap and like take it seriously. Like, um, I think the last time that happened, I was like six, and it's when I was watching JoJo Dance. Your life is calling. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because I was trying to think, like, was there a time in my life where I thought tap was cool? Uh-huh. You know when it was? It was when I was about that age, like six or seven, watching Macy's Day Parade. Uh-huh. And I was probably like 10. And fucking Savion Glover would come out and tap dance on the Macy's Day Parade. Uh-huh. But, oh, man, like, that's really neat. But I was an idiot because I was a child. <laughs> so, well, it, apparently you just need to see it live. You got to see it. You just got to see it happen in person. No, <laughs> that was our friend of the podcast and fellow podcaster Mike Bledsoe's response to my text <laughs> that I fucking hate tap dancing, which makes me think that he enjoys tap dancing and I'd like struck a nerve. I'm pretty but sure I there. I, I I had this vague memory once he said that that like a few years ago he went to something where he saw tap dancing live and texted us about it and was talking about how how amazing it was. I, I had this vague memory of that. Look, each your own whatever i mean like i don't take anything away from anybody that people enjoy everything and if you can find joy in life from something like i'm I'm down with that but don't bring it around me and don't fucking like make me watch it and don't make me watch it for two hours and and fucking 20 minutes (laughs) and everything has tap dancing or it has like and look here's another unpopular opinion you ready yeah fuck cab calloway fuck cab calloway and he's heidi heidi ho shit (laughs) Like, I get the whole call and response. I get the fucking syncopation. Like, whatever. Like, I understand the importance of it in terms of, like, fucking, like, pre-modern jazz and, what the, like, what the fuck ever. But it's fucking 2000. Again, it's the modern age. We don't need any goddamn Cab Galloway on our televisions. Like, that music can go fucking die forever. Like, I don't ever want to hear it. I just think there's so much, like... I think there's so many more. We, we were talking about this a little over text, like when you were saying about like these older time periods. It's like even in 1984, it feels outdated to do a, like a movie like set during this time, at least for the story that they're telling. 
like it like you said it's like he's he's already like moved it past a certain point with the godfather series to go to go further back and to tell like a gangster story basically to this time period feels really just like who cares and like i feel that way anymore as 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 we get older as time advances like there's certain time periods it's just like nobody wants we've already evaluated this as reevaluated that time period as a culture so it's like we we have done everything we can possibly do i think with like the 60s and 70s because the boomers could like not just stop and just have to have to, have to keep reevaluating their childhoods and those decades over and over and over to where it's like what is there left to say right. and i think that's why the 80s and the 90s even more so recently have become more popular in the past like 5 or 6 years is because because again, as a culture, like the filmmakers that grew up during that time period are reevaluating that time period. And at some point, it's going to be fucking stupid to set anything in the 80s and 90s again. Um, like, you know, when we're another 15 years down the road. And then people like, you know, these uh, millennials and, and Zs, like, will be evaluating their childhoods, like, you know, of 2000 through, you know, 2020. And it's like, why are you... St- why are you going so far backwards with this movie when you've already basically examined the time period of your childhood already to more success and more skill a decade prior to this movie? Like it but makes that no- shit, that shit takes place before this or after this. It this takes, this takes place. Yeah. Be, be, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So we, we watched the Godfather. We watched Malcolm X last yeah. year sometime sometime in the past like year and a half we watched that movie um and it takes it it shows like the gangland in harlem like mm-hmm. the rise of the black gangs and whatever and sure. it's it's interesting and it frames it well and it, it it tells a good story and it doesn't have goddamn gregory hines dancing on my motherfucking screen like i cannot tell you how much i hate gregory hines <laughs> i I love Gregory Hines myself, uh, but um, l- for some reason, loved Jojo Dancer. Your life is calling. When I was a kid, I loved Running Scared when he played with Billy Crystal in that movie. Even though it doesn't hold up quite as well as a movie like nowadays, like, but um, I, I I always loved that dude. Um, uh, but. The, the caveat that I guess I would add to that, though, is there's there are interesting stories to tell in this time period still. Don't get me wrong. It's like, you know, there's interesting stories to tell. So the Malcolm X thing that you brought up, it's like, yeah, that's that's a part of a larger story that is a more interesting story because it's kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a biography of somebody. But it's like there are so many unknown, interesting stories to tell during the 20s. Because, like, they just don't exist because, like, nobody cared about those stories. Yeah. Well, I don't care about this one. Well, right. So. uh, I still think there are interesting stories to tell from older time periods. It's just that, like, because those stories were never told. I think maybe for me, I'm just done. I don't care. I don't want to see some goddamn gaslit fucking New York street. And I don't want to see some fucking goddamn zoot suit motherfucking bitches like walking around with their and then their flapper girlfriends like fuck all that shit <clears throat> give me like you know what i'll take i'll take fucking um 
<coughs> whatever the fuck you guys call it, a goddamn bucks buckskin chagrin, like dust bowl, dust bowl sadness or whatever, like carnival or what the fuck, you know, like I'll 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 take fucking grapes of wrath if you want to give me that, but I don't care. Like I just I didn't care about it. It annoyed me the entire time I was watching it. I was so mad, like every time some dancing, like, and I didn't know what to do because I, I, I'd hate, I don't want to fast forward through a movie. Like I want to just watch the movie and because it's a goddamn quick cage movie. I have to finish watching it. So it took me three tries to get through it. Yeah. I'll encapsulate what's wrong with this movie and describing one scene. So towards the end of the film, uh, James Remar's Dutch Schultz is apoplectic because um dixie dwyer has stood up to him in the cotton club and basically called him a punk and he got thrown out and now he's talking about how he's going to get revenge and he's going to kill dixie dwyer so him and his cronies go to this restaurant to eat has ordered a hit so dutch goes in the bathroom to take and compatriots get shot by and sent by lucky luciano and then two of them go in the bathroom and shoot him while he's taking a piss. And he gets shot like multiple times and then stumbles out of the bathroom, clutching at his chest, going like, Ugh, and makes the move like he's going to pull a gun from his jacket and then twirls and collapses into a table and slumps over and dies. And it's like, number one, something that was it like, a, was, was it a, like a jeté? Or did they get a dance kind of move into the death? I mean, it's just like he just moves unnecessarily. Like he should have he should have like, ta- tapped into the table and just fallen over. Uh, now you're making me angry. <laughs> but that's in essence what happened. It's just so unnecessary. And that's this movie. Unnecessary. So let's talk about Cage in it. Okay. How much screen time does he have? Uh, 20 minutes. Okay. 25 minutes, maybe. So he starts out just as Dixie's younger brother, who's this guy that kind of runs numbers, but isn't like violent or anything. And then he introduces himself to Dutch through Dixie and becomes like a trigger man for Dutch um, and helps Dutch like consolidate his power in uh, Harlem. But then he wants Dutch to cut him in on a percentage of the profits. And Dutch is like, no, I'll just pay you $100 a week. So then he threatens to kill Dutch. So then Dutch has his um, trigger man go and kill um, Cage's best friend. And then Cage comes back and does a drive-by with a Tommy gun where he shoots Dutch's accomplice, but ends up killing a kid. So then the whole city's after him because now he's a child murderer. So then he kidnaps um, Bob Hoskins. He kidnaps Fred Gwynn, who plays a character named Frenchie. Um, And Richard Gere has to go and get him back. And there's this, like, subtle storyline that maybe Oni and Frenchie think that um, Dixie's, like, in on it. But then that never goes anywhere. Okay. And then they just end up shooting Nicolas Cage to death. And that's also a very funny scene. So he's on the phone. He's like in one of those like old school like um um citizen gain payphones, like where the door shuts and everything. Um, so they come in and they shoot him in the payphone, and he like is like, ugh, 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 ugh. 
like while he's still on the phone and then he collapses with his hands through the windows of the payphone and like blood like pulls out the bottom and like that's it that's his death Mm. um but it feels just like early early era Nicolas cage like i think all most of his performances are inherently the same around this time right um you do get his first like i'm gonna be the big guy i'm gonna be top of the world i'm gonna be public enemy number one which is really ridiculous yeah But yeah, I hated this movie. I don't find anything redeeming about this movie. Like, I don't know why anyone would sit down. And I fucked myself because now I'm getting all this recommendations for all this goddamn, like, period shit. Right. But, yeah. I, like, who's like, oh, I'm going to watch The Cotton Club. Like, no one is saying that. No one is like, oh, man, this movie's so good. And you know what? Like, it was critically lauded at. Yeah, and fuck him. Fuck Roger Ebert and his goddamn like best of nineteen eighty four list. Yeah, Siskel too. Fucking idiots. Like I don't even know. There's a movie from the mid seventies called That's Entertainment. Are you familiar with the series? Yes. There's three of them. There's one in like seventy four, one yep. in uh-huh. the later seventies, and then one in the mid eighties. And it's basically like stars from the past talking about like broadway and vaudeville and whatever and then they show performances that's what this fucking movie is except there's people like oh it's like when you used to like you're in elementary school and you're watching the fucking um like video where the guy's like my name is lewis and this is my friend clark and we were exploring the northwest you know what i mean mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that's just like yeah my name's Dutch Schultz, and I'm a bad gangster, and I never took shit from no one. And now here's a song and dance routine by Sandman, and then <laughs> here comes Gregory Hines. Tappity, tappity, tapp. <laughs> they introduce steps, like they have these like boxes where it's like almost like a ziggurat, and they tap and up and down it. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen it. I've seen oh it my god, I hate it so much. Uh-huh. Um, and like he comes so close a couple times to exploring things like like racial bias and segregation, right. and and the that's the interesting of, stories like, I'm human worth, about. right? And like all those things, if that's the focus of the movie, if if you just have the songs in the movie and you tell the story, it's a ninety minute movie, and maybe it's a lot better. Like yeah. when you're not like having this fractured narrative all the time. To watch some bitch sing some song that I've never heard before in my life. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't tell you how much I hate the fucking Heidi, Heidi Ho. Like, I was sitting there watching this movie thinking, do kids that go to Cab Cal... Because we have, in Delaware, there's a um, charter school called Cab Calloway that's a school for the arts, basically. <clears throat> Named after Calloway, who was a Delaware native. Mm-hmm. And, like... I wonder, like, do they have to do, like, some kind of Heidi Heidi Ho shit, like, in, in like, homeroom, or, like, is that some prerequisite that you gotta be able to, like, zinga 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 or like, 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 it's the Pledge of Allegiance or something? Yeah, no, I was thinking, like, is there, like, a Heidi Ho award or something where, like, the person with the most moxie, like, gets gets the fucking Heidi Ho, or, I don't know. It's like, right. It was all I could do to distract myself from this fucking movie. They got a Joel Gray award. 
for the for Cab Calloway. Yeah, at the Cab Calloway School, they got a Joel Gray Award probably. That is what. I wonder what that is. Who's you Joel know, Gray? You, you know who Joel Gray is. He no, was in Cabaret, and he's he's Jennifer Gray's father. Like you, you know the dude. Look up Joel Gray. You know who the fucking dude is. Jennifer Gray is also in this movie. I know. It's probably what reminded me of Joel Gray. He also tap danced. <laughs> he's a song and dance man from way back. Let's talk about Richard Gere a little bit. Um, oh, look at the face. You know that dude. He was in Buffy in season five. He's the guy that slices up Dom. Um, <clears throat> he was also in, um, he played the judge in um, Dancer in the Dark, too. I'm like, we talked about that on the podcast. You know, Joe Carter. Oh, he's in Remo Williams. Yes. He, yeah, he is. Yep. That's exactly so, right. I, I don't know. I don't care about this guy. Fucking Remo what Williams. You, what are you Let's, asking me? Richard Gear. Let's talk about Richard Gear real quick. All right. So I'm going to give you choices here, unless you want to like pull up like his filmography. But let's look at it. Let's look at this dude real quick. Okay. So I'm going to say Days of Heaven, right? Um, like his top movies here. So Officer's Gentleman, right? I don't care about that movie. Uh, Days of Heaven, Officer and Gentleman. Oh, Jesus, that's a real bad list. Okay, I guess Pretty Woman's one of his famous movies. I don't know about it as a role, but um, other things he's highly lauded that he's lauded for. I mean, Ed Norton takes precedence, but he uh, he's also like kind of like viewed well in Primal Fear. Um, oh, is he viewed well in anything else here? Chicago, of course, he's viewed well in. Um, Okay, what's what's the what's the best Richard Gere role out of those four? Oh, it's one hundred percent Days of Heaven. Okay, why is Days he work, why is he, why does he work there? Do you think, and not in other places? because uh, he's young. <laughs> I mean, he fits the role, right? You know, I don't know. Okay, because it's just a good movie. I mean, it's a beautiful movie. Like, it doesn't even matter that it's Richard Gere. Honestly, mm-hmm. okay, could have been anybody. Okay. I hate him. I, I I can't stand looking at a stupid fucking rat face. Like it's just, I don't know. Don't you think he like makes like a because of that? Like maybe this is a conversation for next year possibly. But it's like, don't you think that's what makes him so perfect for Chicago though, playing that Billy Flynn role? I fucking like, hate Chicago. Like, uh, I know, but it's like he's perfect for that fucking role. <sighs> I don't. He, know. Me, I, I, he ta- he ta- he taps in the courtroom in that in, in that too. I'm sure he does. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about uh fucking um Francis Ford Coppola here since we've only done that I believe like well we've done what two other Coppola movies on the Quick Cage right um fuck Peggy Sue got Rumble married Fish and, and Peggy Fish. Sue got married yes, yeah. there it is all right so. <laughs> The only other movie we've ever <laughs> talked about of his is uh, Apocalypse Convers- Now. Oh, Apocalypse Now and The Conversation. And The yeah. Conversation on the primary podcast. Um, the Conversation, his best movie, right? Mm, it's my favorite movie of his. 
I don't know if it's his best movie. I think it's hard to argue against Godfather and Godfather 2 and okay. Apocalypse Now as all being better movies than hmm. the conversation. I think Apocalypse Now is the more impressive movie out of that in the conversation, like in the sense of like how long he took to film it, the, 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 even the direction itself. I think like as a complete film, the conversation is the one that like to this day is like more thought provoking and interesting to me. But, um, um, and yeah, obviously we're going to talk about the Godfather. I think just in like one episode at some point, I would think next year, maybe, um, that we just talk about the whole trilogy, um, at some point, uh, cause that's never making any of your list at this point. I don't see it, <laughs> but man, does this dude fall the fuck off? Oh, listen, one of the most disappointing directors ever. Yeah. Like to think that the dude that filmed Look, there's things in Godfather 2 that I think are some of the most beautiful images captured on film in relation to, like, the early history of modern industrialized America. Sure. And even even the way he films Italy, too, from Americans, like, you know, kind of the perspective of, like, you know, it's it's fucking it sets up like basically every like Americans view of Italy. I mean, again, this is a man that I can't even understate, like created the modern dialogue and narrative for gangster movies and gangster media. So like with the Sopranos and whatnot, right up into the modern age. Like, it cannot be understated how influential the, that movie was. And, like, that's the guy that directed motherfucking Jack? I mean, come on. Like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I, 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 I saw that on opening day. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I went and <laughs> sat in that theater on opening day and watched fucking Jack. Mouth agape, like, not understanding what the hell I was watching. And walked out. Yeah. And momentarily tried to rationalize that, oh, this is Francis Ford Coppola. There must be deeper meaning. And then just realized, no, it's just fucking garbage. Like, this man is trash. Brian Williams being funny, though. What's the problem? Another unpopular opinion. Robin Williams never been funny. Nothing funny about Robin Williams is like fucking weird noises and odd faces and fucking scoots magoo goddamn I don't know, slapstick nonsense. I don't know what the fuck that even means, but... Scooch Magoo? Yeah. <laughs> Scooch Magoo, slapstick nonsense? But... Pictured him in fucking Patch Adams, like honking his goddamn nose. I don't even, honestly, like, I think I think of Patch Adams and Jack as the same movie because I've never seen either. I just know they're both really bad. I've seen them both. Huh. Um, here's the thing, too, though, is I think Robin Williams at times is a brilliant actor. I, I absolutely think times is. is a sublime actor but yeah. it's just, i don't find him funny like i don't find and this is coming from a kid that loved work from work like as as a child yeah. like i was fucking here's a funny anecdote so when i was an an infant to like toddler post toddler so whatever my my formative years up until i was about six we lived in baltimore and my father worked at um, the steel plant. So one day the phone rings and my parents would let me answer the phone because I was a really well-spoken little kid. And I must have been like three at this time. So I answer the phone and I say, hello. And this man says, this is Mork for Mork. Can I talk to your dad? 
Mm. And I'm like, because, mm. you know, I'm fucking mm-hmm. work from work. Like, sure. I work. So I, I, I put the phone and I'm like, dad, Mork from work is on the phone for you. And my dad says, what? And I said, it's Mork from Ork. He's calling to talk to you. <laughs> and I'm so impressed that like Mork from Ork right. wants to talk to my, my dad. Sure. So my sure. dad picks up the phone. It's like, hello. And he starts laughing. And it was Mark from work. <laughs> mm. Mm. That is, that's like that song that you always, um, that one song you always didn't know the lines to the Billy Ocean song, right? What is that? Oh, um, fucking caribou queen now we're sharing this entree <laughs> right. yes Uh-oh. i swear to god this still doing what's being said in that song you cannot convince me like i've listened I, I that song's on my um my 80s playlist i listen to at work and it's not it because he's saying caribbean queen but caribbean queen yeah right yeah but it's the way that he like takes that word and like truncates it right that makes it sound yes. like caribou That's and true. i don't know always so i was sharing the same entree all right like so you're, I, like look, you're on a date you know like we're sharing, sharing i remember entree. you trying to defend this to me like fucking 15 <laughs> years ago like um you know, i thought fucking werewolves of london was where was the thunder and i didn't understand like what the awu part was and then finally right. one day i was like singing along, so i was like what the fuck do you say <laughs> everybody has oh what yeah, are they, they yeah mala malapropisms or whatever yeah. when it comes to so let, let me quickly like with Robin Williams real quick like in terms of being funny like there are times when I think Robin Williams can be extremely funny when he's reined in like I think when he's like largely left to his own devices and I think he actually gets better the older he gets at times of being able to restrain himself during his bits and now that we like know more about like him and his addictions and his bipolar and like a lot, of, a lot of things make a lot of sense about him, like in terms of like being manic and all those kind of things. But like I think Good Morning Vietnam, he's like genuinely funny at times, like when he's allowed to do like when when the the manic nature of like his shit is like as a character on the radio. And then he can be kind of like reserved and wily and sarcastic, like in his real life as being a member of the military. I think it's a really brilliant fucking performance in uh, in a comedic performance in Good Morning Vietnam. Um, I think he's good in the best of times uh, um, with Kurt Russell. Um, I'm trying to think what else I like him in his comedies, like things like Mrs. Doubtfire, like I just find offensive nowadays. And it's like, and then it's like you can. I never looked at that movie fondly, but it, you can never look at it the same after Arrested Development. Um, that just like sends up that movie so much. Um, the Birdcage I find offensive nowadays. Like looking back at like the portrayals in that, and yeah, then it's like he just does a bunch of shit like Jack and Patch Adams, where it's like this like mixture between like you know he's really a sensitive soul but let me be as goofy as fuck and ad-lib everything and that's just that's just just awful but there's some good there's good comedic performances in there i completely forgot about jacob the liar too like that's another one that's just like it all is the same shit to me like patch adams jack jacob the liar like awful um but some of his like dramatic roles like are, are like you said he can be a brilliant actor i mean i think his I think him in Goodwill Hunting is really good, like you know, in that supporting role. I'm I like him in One Hour. I don't really care for the movie as much, but I like him in One Hour Photo. I think. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good performance. Yeah, and like I think there's stuff. It's like it's shit like Night at the Museum, right? Like when he plays Teddy Roosevelt, like, and it's like he just takes things too. He, he, he at times he takes things too far, and if he's restrained, he's he's actually is funny and um and yeah, he has like brilliant dramatic stuff at times. Yeah. Did you see that viral why we, video? Why are we talking about Robin Williams? I don't remember. Um, huh. Yeah, I forget like where that started. Um, oh, Jack, because you started bitching about Jack because you always bitch about Jack. Yeah, yeah. Um, but did you see that viral video of the guy that like put up a clip of him on the set of he's trying to basically get like a be able to do a document or um fuck a biography on Robin Williams and it's like a scene that he posted on YouTube that went viral. And it's him on the set, like Robin Williams on the set of um, uh, whatever, Mork from Work. Um, and the female actress in the show, like, comes in and, like, tells him that Belushi died. And, but it's like, so he's, like, able through, like, you know, practicing his lines and stuff to do all the goofy Robin Williams impersonation stuff. And then, like, the real serious stuff. And it's fucking amazing, like the, the the scene that like they filmed and he did. Um, I hope I, I just hope the kid like is able to do it because it's it's really um it's a really good scene, really well filmed, um, really well acted as Robin Williams. Like so, the mannerisms are down to like a T, um, as this young Robin Williams. So, but uh, yeah, you should look that up. It's only like four minutes long or something like that. Um, at some point. All right, I'll watch it. But um, is there anything else to talk about tonight? I don't think so. I mean, we only got world. like it's my world. It's, it's your world. You're the you're the quick cage. Quick cage is completely. It's all your world. Like you make you make the top five lists. Like you you you're the, you're the quick cage person. Like you know like oh do you, let's real quick because we don't have much we don't have many more episodes to talk about just the random shit. What about Halloween Kills? What are, what are your feelings on Halloween Kills? Like, um, considering we we did talk about this on some episode somewhere on a podcast, like a, how much you like the the uh, Halloween from a few years ago. Um, what do you think about Halloween Kills? Without using hyperbole, I think it's a wholly unnecessary movie that does nothing to build any kind of narrative and just exists to make money and show Michael Myers kill a bunch of people. Yeah. And I think possibly set up in a couple of very brief um Easter eggy ways the connection to the Silver Shamrock Corporation and the idea that Michael Myers is some kind of like Celtic spirit of Samhain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and set up the which I read apparently I think it's called Halloween Ends is the third one and last one they're doing. So, so I what I'm what I'm imagining is that where in Halloween three, the original Halloween three, um, there's no connection to Michael Myers and Halloween like exists as a, it's fictional like it's on the television a horror movie or whatever. Um, I think the connection is going to be that these like Celtic cultists are controlling Michael Myers. Yeah. And where we keep allowing him to be resurrected. And it's going to be Jamie Lee Curtis um and her granddaughter um basically like breaking in and murdering all these old Celts. Right. Um to stop Michael Myers 
from right. being able to resurrect or whatever, like right. live through any kind of injury. And then kill him at the end when he's not <clears throat> able to be resurrected anymore. Right. 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 And I only say that because there's a scene in the movie where um three murder victims are left on various pieces of um what do you call it? A uh, playground equipment. Mm-hmm. And each of them is wearing one of the masks, the silver shamrock masks from Halloween three. So right. one of them has the skull, one of them has the pumpkin, and one of them has the um the witch witch face. So yeah. that's just that's just my assumption. Yeah. But like the whole point of the movie is it what did I say? It's like it's like watching one of those scary movies. Like mm-hmm. the the parody series scary movie. Yeah. Um it certainly turned into that. Yeah. It's a joke. Like yeah. a lot of it, it and you pointed this out, like the town doesn't make any sense because there's like downtown thriving like club areas of Haddonville or Haddonfield and then like two residential streets yeah for for a movie that's ultimately about like this sense of community um and eventually like communal hysteria I guess but it's like to you should understand the town and it's like you don't understand the town at all that was was one of the things that threw me off really early on just and there's too many scenes of people just like pulling up in a car right that's every scene i feel it's like every scene starts with like and you know x pulls up in y vehicle like you know or, that's, the, that's the that's the script line like you know or anxiously like hurrying through a hospital corridor for no reason yeah yeah they're in that yeah. hospital that, that hospital's got to be like 40 stories tall too with the amount of <laughs> they're in it right like man that motherfucking hospital and it's this little like sleepy indiana town or wherever the fuck yeah. that field is and they got this like giant state of the art hospital. Like, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. just a bad movie. I did it's not. not yeah, it's not good. I I can't even like. I'll say this if I'm going to say anything positive about it is that there were some kills that I thought were pretty inventive in the way yeah. that they were filmed, and I I like Green's very violent, like visceral style when it comes to like filming those kind of things, mm-hmm. but. There's got to be some fucking story behind it, or else what's yeah. the fucking point? And 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 if I had to say a thing positive about it, is I thought conceptually it could have worked really well, and from from where it started, and it just didn't at all, and it became yeah cartoonish and stupid by the end. Um, I haven't talked to anybody that's enjoyed it, and I talked to several people yesterday yeah. and today that saw it over the weekend. So yeah, if you if you enjoyed um halloween kills please leave us a comment um and like yeah, let's know why. like yeah. i want to know why yeah like convince um, me that i should like it because i like the halloween series like um franchise in general yeah we'll feature it like um <clears throat> give us a message and we'll, we'll we'll talk about it at the beginning of any podcast <laughs> i'll make sure to bring it up you know what the um the thing i'm thing i'm going to miss the most about the quick cages is it's like you know i've taken it easy like you know with um basically like one drink for the past two nights it gives me this like excuse to drink more um midweek the quick cage and i'm gonna miss that um because the sit through some of this shit um is <laughs> something no you ain't kidding um but i will miss that and I, I told you beforehand I, that I had a damn dream last night and woke up 
and remember the dream. And it, the dream was something we could do next year. That was a midweek series. And I fucking forgot it. And it was good. Oh. Like it was something we could have, I think actually had legs to it for at least like six months or something like that was, and it would have been decent, but I can't remember it. I lost it like within 30 seconds. And well, on that note, let's, um, get everybody to listen to the best 30 minutes which is our yeah sister podcast that uh, christopher and i both participate in um new episode up next week about yep. something or other what is it most embarrassing childhood injuries yeah, oh, yeah most embarrassing right. injuries or something yes, like yeah, that most embarrassing injuries yeah yeah uh-huh. oh yeah that's that, that's gonna be fun um I, yeah right sorry yep 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 yeah so we've had three episodes so far it was uh NES memories, uh, video store rental memories, video store rentals, and then childhood obsessions. Childhood obsessions, right? Yeah, you don't need to listen to that one, huh? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, uh, because what's happening in that podcast, <clears throat> as I referenced last week, is like you know between that podcast and like things like of you know aversions to tap dancing and like those kind of things i think you can start slowly piecing together a psychological profile of frank um if (laughs) if you start listening to like real life stories versus how he feels about movies and stuff um let's not listen too close (laughs) oh all right well we only got three episodes left i know and and two one of them's gonna be super fucking boring I'm gonna try and inject some life into this goddamn animated episode, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You should, um, you should impersonate his uh, voices in each of them. That's the thing is, he's usually just normal when he does voiceover work. Mm. And you know what? That's really boring. We're getting into spoiler territory, so let's uh, let's dial it back. Yeah, I looked up to see if there was any like trials that had pre transcripts for Nick Cage because, like, I figured maybe we could talk about that at some point. But um, oh yeah, but yeah, there's nothing. <sighs> so, yep. All right, all right. Fucking, fucking Cotton Club. Hey, no, hold on. We got one last thing here. You got to get oh, ready to go to score. Sc- score. It. Uh, it's a two. I guess it's a terrible movie. I don't understand it. His performance is whatever, a four, maybe. Okay. Damn, you just gave you just gave a two to a movie that like fucking at the time was like I guess it didn't get nominated for any awards though, right? Yeah, two Golden Globes and two Oscars. Oh, really? Best picture and best director at the Globes and best set design and sound or best editing and costume design, I think. But they didn't win, right? Oscars. No, no, didn't win anything. Right, okay. Because, like, what it is, is Francis Ford Coppola put a movie on there, like, oh, we got to nominate this shit. Right. Well, they didn't, they didn't know any better back then. Oh, Diane Lane was nominated for a Golden Ras- Raspberry Award. <laughs> yeah, but it was also for Where the Boy, or some other movie that she was in that year. Oh, yeah, Streets of Fire. Yeah. Do you know this movie? Streets of Fire? Yeah. I think so. Neo Neo-noir rock musical directed by Walter Hill? Yeah. I've never heard of this movie before. That sounds um, maybe awful and amazing at the same time. Hmm. Maybe I'll look though. Willem Dafoe plays somebody named Raven Shattuck. 
<laughs> That's terrible. All right. Well, we'll be back with a um, probably another bad. Uh, oh no, you're going to do animated next week, so we'll be back with mm-hmm. um, not a bad movie, probably, but um, potentially a um, boring episode unless Frank can pull out some genius and inject some life into it. Right? I'll liven it up, I guess. We'll see. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Deuces. See you next week.